Thanks for joining us today for the City Light Podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us as a church, you can always check us out online at citylightchurch.com. Today, we are in the middle of our series called Legacy. In this series, we will be discussing the vision and direction for our church and how we can be people who are not just thinking about today, but what we will leave behind for future generations. Let's jump into today's message. We are actually in week three of a four-part message series that we are calling Legacy. And, and this is a great series because we've been talking a lot about vision, direction, that we feel like God has placed in us as a church and some things that we want to go forward in, some places that we want to, that God wants us to do and some things like that. And so it's a great time to be a part of, of, this, of this series and what God's doing here. Uh, and I've been saying this every single week, and I'll continue to say it next week, because uh, the big arching theme I want you to get away from or take away from if if you get anything out of this series is simply this and it's a statement that that your life matters that, that your life absolutely matters please don't ever think that your life doesn't matter what you do doesn't matter don't think that you know hey you know I'm just kind of going through life there's really no purpose to this whole thing you know I'm just trying to make it as, as safe as I can to my deathbed like like don't think that that man my life doesn't matter because it acts absolutely does but here here's the thing I want you to, to catch though is that I believe too that that your life will never make complete sense though until you're doing the thing that God has designed you to do on this planet I think a lot of times we go through life not really knowing a lot. Maybe we got some direction, but we're missing purpose. And, and I believe that when you give your life to God and begin to serve him and go in all in with him, that he gives you fulfillment. He gives you the purpose that you're missing. And, and you realize that my life absolutely matters. Our, our theme verse for this whole series has been found in, in Psalms chapter 112, and it says this. It says, good will come to those who are generous and lend freely who conduct their affairs with justice. Surely the righteous will never be shaken. I love that because it doesn't say that the shaking won't happen around us. It doesn't mean that you may not walk through some tough situations in life. It doesn't mean you may not go through some obstacles, but in the midst of every obstacle, in the midst of every shaking, that you can have a peace in the middle of all of it because you know the God that you serve is a foundation, a solid rock that you can hang on to no matter what you're going through. And you can have peace in all that. And so it says this, it says, you know, hey, surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. They'll be remembered forever. And that's kind of our legacy idea. We want to be remembered forever. The kind of our, my working definition for what a legacy is is simply this. A legacy is where my life lives on. It's, it's, it's where my life lives on, beyond me, like like, what are they going to say about, about me? What are they going to say about you? What are they going to say about this church and future generations? What's going to be our legacy? What are we leaving behind for, for the next generation? What are we doing to leave our mark on this planet so that other people may know that there's a God in heaven who loves them? What will our legacy be? What, what will outlive us? And so this whole series, we've been talking about that, how we can practically set our lives up in such a way that our lives are going to outlive us. That this church, when, 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 this, when this church is you know, in another building somewhere, whatever God has for it, it's like, man, there's going to be people that are going to be reaching 
that are going to be receiving the blessing of, 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 this, of, the, of your sacrifice. And what does that look like? And so we've been talking about this for a while, and we've been trying to give you a lot of time to think and pray about this. But, but next Sunday, everybody say next Sunday. Next Sunday is our legacy offering. And, and this is an offering that is above and beyond our normal giving. This is something that is actually a, 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 to accelerate some of the vision that God has placed in, in the church. And this offering does not go to, to meet our budget. You know, our budget is completely fine. We're doing great financially. We have actually, we, we operate at 90% of the prior year's income on our budgets every year. So we're never like at 100%. We're never like at 110% percent like some people do like like we're always very very fiscally uh, conservative in our budget so the offering does not go to meet our budget our budget's great our budget's fine this is to accelerate some of the things that we feel like God is calling us to do in this opportunity that we have right now in Rochester Hills, in this world right now. We know that, that God wants to do exceedingly more than we can ever hope or imagine. And so we realize this. And so we want to accelerate the vision, help us to get forward, put a little, put a little pedal to the metal uh, on what God wants to do in this church. And, and so that all that offering is going to go to that. And and we talked about this, we, say, we gave you a letter, we also have been talking about it on Sundays, but this offering is going to go to three different areas. Number one, it's going to go to, to our missions partners that we believe in and support. Um, I don't know about you, but, but we, we, we value missions. We value people that are going all over the world, even right here in Michigan and all over the world, spreading the gospel for Jesus Christ. And, and we want to be a blessing to these missionaries and these mission partners during our holiday season. Like during Christmas, we wanna, they don't know it's coming, but we just want to bless their socks off. We just want to say, hey, we believe in what you're doing. We love you. And we just want to help you have the most amazing Christmas where you're doing even more than you could ever imagine. We want to we want to help people that are that are right here in our own backyard, helping kids in the foster care system, helping them find great families to be a part of, and and kind of rescuing them out of the system mindset and giving them great education and and, and a hope in Christ. We want to we want to dig more fresh water wells in South America and and where villages that are drinking just nasty water right now. We want to we want to dig more and more fresh waters and then help them see that there's not just fresh water they can get, but there's the living water in Jesus that they can get. And, and we want to plant more life-giving churches in our area, in our city, and in the United States, and all over the world. Like, like, like the hope of the world is the local church, like that God left it to us. And we want to continue to build more life-giving churches all over this place where more and more people can know that there's a God in heaven who loves them. We want to continue to help rescue more uh, young girls out of the human trafficking industry. We want to help rescue those kids and help them to see that, man, God loves them and has a plan for their life and that, that slavery is not their destiny, that they can have even so much more. And so, so part of our offering is going to go towards our missions partners just to say, hey, we believe in you. We want to help you do even more in this season. But then the second part of, of our offering that it's going to go towards is what we call our next generation. Uh, I, I love our next generation around here at our church. And, and so we want to we make sure that that our kids and our, and our, our kids' workers and, and our, our program back there is like one of the best in the city. Come on, somebody. We want to continue to do exceedingly more, do great things. And I think we already have some of the best kids' workers on the planet in this church. Can we give it up for all of our kids' workers and Pastor Dave Schumann back there? 
who are just loving on our kids. I mean, a couple weeks ago, our kids came out looking like superheroes, and I'm like, man, that looks great. I want to go to kids' ministry. I don't know. This looks awesome. And so I just love what we're doing, but we realize that as God continues to grow our church, we need to expand our kids' ministry program, and, and so we need to do that. We need to have more classrooms and more age-appropriate curriculum for each student and each kid, and so they're leaving here encouraged and knowing that God loves them, and so we need to continue to build that up, but we also realize that, that God has placed us in this city to, to also make a difference in the teenagers in our city, too, like uh, I don't know about you, but, you know, when I grew up, you know, life was difficult as a teenager, but it seems like with the things that the kids are going through nowadays is totally different than what, than what I went through when I was a teenager. And so uh, it's just a different time, and we want to be a church that has the best youth ministry on the planet. We want to be a church that students can walk into this place and, and find that there's a hope for them in Christ Jesus, that, that they can find identity in God and not in this culture, and that they can truly find the life that he has for them where we're impacting not only them, but their future generations as well. And so we want to hire a youth pastor one day. We want to have a program that's designed just for them, that we're really making a difference in our middle school and high school students in our area because we know that, man, there's so many kids in this area that need the hope of Christ. And then our last area that we are going to be focused on with this offering is to our future building. You know, we know that God has a future building for us. We don't know where it's at. We don't know what it looks like. There may be somebody there right now. They're going to have to leave eventually, but it's all right. But, but you know, God will take care of them too. But, uh, but we know that, that, that there's a place for us somewhere. Maybe it's a piece of property. Maybe it's a building. But we want to be able to say yes when that opportunity comes. Since day one of our church, we've always, like I said, budgeted 90% of our prior year's income. So we are always budgeting unless we're always having margin. We're saving every month, and we've done a great job in that. But we want to be able to say yes even in a greater way. So what I mean when that opportunity comes, we want to be able to say yes in a way that's like not just a little yes, but yes, we want that. Yes, let's go forward in that. Yes, we have the, the payment for that. Yes, we have the down payment. Whatever that may look like, yes, we're ready to move on that. And, and like I said, we're never a church that's going to be, you know, like I'm never going to be that guy who's does, doing the high-pressure giving. We're not going to be the guy who you know, like, uh, you know, does building pledge cards and building program and not going to build, bring out a thermometer and say, all right, here we are. Y'all got to give more. You know, I'm like, I'm not going to be that guy ever. But we know that God has a future building for us and we want to be prepared when that opportunity comes. And so our legacy offering is next week. And, and I'm telling you in advance, and I've told you a few weeks in advance because I, I believe what the Bible says. And it talks about how that we should not give out of compulsion, we shouldn't give reluctantly, we should actually take some time, pray about it, think about it, and ask God, okay, what, what am I supposed to do? God, what, what, what's my role in this? And, and, and then just do whatever he tells you to do. That's, I found that's a great way to live life, just being obedient to whatever he tells you to do. And so that'll be next week, and I'm excited to see what the miracle looks like and what God's going to do, and so we can report back to you of, of where we're doing, where the money's going, and all that fun stuff, and just share in the blessing that, man, we're making an impact. We're leaving a legacy in this community for Christ and around the world. And so that'll be next week. I'm excited about it, and I hope you are, too, or get excited about it eventually. So, so the main idea that I want to hit with you guys today, though, is Okay, Pastor, you're talking about money and all this stuff, but, but why should I leave a legacy? Why should I really care about that? Maybe you don't have kids, or maybe that's not something that you even care. Like, I don't care what I'm remembered for. Like, 
Like, why should I give? Why should I be generous? Why should I serve? Why should I, I do these things? I really don't get it. Why should I live my life in a way that it outlives me? Why, 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 why should I do that? Well, I wanna, I wanna begin with a, a verse that I actually ended with last week if you were with us. And it's a, it's a great verse because the Apostle Paul, who wrote a lot of the New Testament, he helped plant a church and he's actually writing a letter to a young pastor trying to encourage this young pastor of how to lead well and how to, how to mentor people and how to really grow the church into what it's supposed to be. And in 1 Timothy chapter 6, it says this. He says to the young Timothy, he says, hey, listen, command those who are rich. Now, let me pause right there because I think a lot of times we hear that. We go, oh, phew, he ain't talking to me. Oh, praise God. Oh, man, he talking to, I know some rich people, but he ain't talking to me today. I can tune out for the next five minutes. I can pull my phone out and beat that level in Candy Crush that I've been working on. Like, like I, I just, I can take a break right now because he's not talking to me in this moment. And I've read some t- t- statistics, excuse me, before like this. And if you've heard these, I think it's always a great reminder. But right now, there's a great stat. It says, if you make $33,000 or more a year you're actually in the top 1% of wage earners in the entire world. Like, let that sink in for a minute. In the entire world, if you make $33,000 a year, you're, you're a one percenter. One percent of the entire population of the world. That's crazy to me. Here's another one that I think really is sobering. If you earn $80,000 a year or more, you're in the top point one percent of wage earners in the entire world. Man, let that sink in. I mean, perspective is, is interesting when you begin to see, okay, what else is going on in our world today? You may say, Pastor, you know, I, that's great and all, but I don't, I don't feel rich. You don't know my bills. You don't see, yeah, maybe I bring in some money, but I, I got a lot of bills. A lot of it goes out. I'm scraping by right now. Like, I'm struggling, and that may be the case But I think it's always important to realize that, hey, we're blessed. We're absolutely blessed. God has blessed our our nation. God has blessed our city. God has blessed you no matter what your income looks like. Man, God has blessed you so much. And it's important to realize what the blessing is for. Is the blessing just for me or am I blessed to be a blessing to other people? People. So let's go back to our verse. He says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Let me pause right there. I always love to stop right here because I think there's a belief in some areas of Christianity that say, Hey, God doesn't want you to enjoy life. He doesn't want you to have nice things. He wants you to give everything away and just suffer the whole time. And and, and like that's like your lot in life, like be a hermit. And you know, like that. Some people believe that. And and I just look and say, wow, you know, God wants us to enjoy life. God, He's given us things so we could have some things in our enjoyment in life that we could have a great time. Like God does, I always say this: God does not mind you having stuff, He just doesn't want your stuff to have you. Like that's the whole thing with God. And so he says, I'm giving you for this enjoyment, but he says in verse 18, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. And now here's the concept I want to really hit home for today. Verse 19, it says, in this way they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation 
for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is actually truly life. Here's the thing. In, in all the Bible, when you look at the scriptures and you read the Bible, there is one motivating factor behind everything that they did. Why they risked their lives to spread the gospel. Why they served other people uh, like crazy. Why they were generous on every occasion. Why they did the things that they did. And you read the Bible. Some people did some amazing things for God. You're like, wow, they risked everything. They did this. Oh my goodness. I can't believe they did this. There was one driving, motivating factor behind everything that they did. And it's summed up in one word. And it is the word heaven. They did everything because of heaven. They knew that this life wasn't really the true life. That, they, that I love the old, the, the old hymns and the old saints would always say something like, you know, we're just passing through. Like, like this is, we're, just, we're just passing through this life. This is, this is not my home. My home is heaven. And, and someday we're going to be there. And that life is much more real than this life right now. And by the way, there are no bills in heaven. There are no you know, medical problems in heaven. There are no debt collectors in heaven. Come on, somebody. Like, that's a, amen. Thank Jesus. And so it's like they had this understanding that, that heaven was waiting for them. That everything I did in my life today was to leverage my opportunities, my influence, my resources, my finances, so that I could prepare, not for earth, but I could prepare for heaven. Because heaven is the life that is truly life. Jesus even talked about this in Matthew chapter 6. He said, that, he said it this way, Do, don't store up treasures here on earth where, moth eat, where, where moths eat and, and rust destroys them and, and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Jesus says, understanding, he goes, listen, invest in a different economy. He said, invest in God's economy because you're never going to hit a bad market there. You're never going to, nothing's going to destroy that. It's actually going to be a firm foundation for you in the coming age. He said, don't just invest here on earth, but Store up treasures for yourself in heaven. Jesus even told a story. They call it a parable. If you're unfamiliar with that, it's basically Jesus would tell stories in the New Testament that would help illustrate a spiritual truth. And Jesus told this story in the, this parable in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12. It says this. It says, and he told them this parable. The ground of a, of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Now let me pause there. You notice the language. This is my stuff. Where am I going to put my crops? And he's got so much he doesn't know what to do with. And we all said, oh, this poor guy. He's got more than he knows what to do with. Oh, like boo-hoo, poor this dude, whatever. And he says, man, I don't know what to do. I feel so bad for him. Verse 18, he says this. Then he said, this is what I'll do. He had an idea. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus of grain. Again, he's using this language, my grain, my surplus. This is all mine. And, and he says this later. He says, 19, he goes, and I'll say to myself, you know, I have plenty of grain laid up for many years. And this is where the guy got it completely wrong. Because he believed a lie that it, I, must, I have a lot, so therefore I must have a lot of time left. 
I have a lot of surplus, so that must mean I equal a lot of time left on this earth. And, and, and here's what Jesus says. He, or actually, I take that back. He says this. Because he thought that way, he says, I'm going to take life easy. I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry. And, and listen, if the story ended right there, this would be the greatest you know, message on being a good saver, right? Like, save your money. Like, build bigger barns. Save all your stuff. And, and, and the Bible talks about the importance of saving and, and leaving an inheritance for the next generation and generation after that. But Jesus actually throws a complete turn in this story that would have shocked the audience. Because they're listening to the story intently. Yeah, this guy's got a lot. He's storing. He's saving. I get it. That's great. And then Jesus says this in verse 20. He says, but God said to him, you fool. And this would have shocked the audience listening. He goes, this very night, your life will be demanded from you. In other words, it's all over. Tonight's your la- today's your last day on this earth. He goes, then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And the simple answer to that is, not you. You're not going to get it. And in verse 21, he says, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. Rich towards God. I want to hit that home today. How do you become rich towards God? How do we as a people at a church, how do we live our lives in such a way we're not just storing up for things here on earth, but how can we be rich towards God going forward? So if you're taking notes today, I'd love for you to jot a few of these things down. And by the way, the devil hates it when you take notes. So um, I love it when people take notes. But anyway, number one, if you're taking notes, how do I become rich towards God? Give yourself to God. The first way you can be rich towards God is you give yourself fully to the Lord. You give everything to him. When I, when I give my life to the Lord, I, I don't give 50% to him. I don't give three-fourths to him. I don't give 99.999 repeating percent to God. Man, I give everything to God. He gets everything, everything that I have, everything that I am, everything that he's blessed me with. I say, God, you know, whatever I have is yours. My whole body, everything is yours, God. I'm completely in with you, God. And I love it. The Bible says in Ephesians that when we do that, Ephesians chapter 2, it says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners, and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. I love that, that when we give ourselves fully over to the Lord, that we're not alone anymore. You're not going through life abandoned. You're not going through life wandering, but you actually now have a place where you belong. You have a place that you have a family that you can call home. I mean, you have, a, you have people that can surround you and love you and care, carry you through whatever difficulty that you may be walking through. And God is with you. He's never left you. He's never forsaken you. Like, like, like when you give yourself over to God, listen, man, you're, you're a part of his family. You're, you're not an outsider anymore. You're not trying to figure things out in this life all on your own, but you have the hope of Christ and the hope of heaven. Like, like there's so much more to this. But I love it because I saw this quote. I don't know who said it, but this quote said, if one first gives himself to the Lord, all other giving then is easy because you give yourself fully to the God. Give him everything that you have. You want to be rich towards God, we first have to give ourselves fully to God, but then number two, if you're taking notes, how do I become rich towards God? I gotta learn to act like a steward, not an owner. 
I gotta, I gotta learn to act like a steward, not an owner. Now a steward is not typically a terminology that we use a lot today, but it basically means a manager. That, that I'm a manager, and I'm not an owner, I'm a manager. And one of the best things I've ever learned in my life is realize that everything that I do have, everything that God has blessed me with, my house, my, my bank account, my cars, my, my, my everything, my time, my resources, man, everything belongs to him. And I'm managing it for him. It's all his. Everything he's blessed me with, it's his. I'm just, I'm just here to manage the best I can with what he has blessed me with. It was so funny because uh, later, earlier this year, my wife and I went on a vacation. And, uh, you know, got to get out of the, the, the cold of Michigan. Come on, somebody. And get into some warm weather. There's warm weather somewhere. You all know that, right? Just thank God for that. And uh, we went on a vacation and... You know, how many of y'all, when you go on vacation, you love leaving your work behind? You're like, I ain't taking nothing with me. For those of you who take your work with you, shame on you. Just leave it at home. Like, the business will be okay without you for a week. It's all right. But, but I, you know, I'm like, hey, I, I want to go on vacation. And it's like, but as a pastor, how do you leave your work behind? I mean, that's kind of difficult, you know. It's like, do I just take the pastor hat off on the beach? Like, what do I do? Like, and so we're, we go down and we're, we're kind of hang out on a, at this pool one morning, you know. We got there early, got our spot so nobody could sit next to us. Come on, somebody. It's like just spread out. We're going to get some books. We're going to read. We're going to get some sun. It's going to be great. And then as the day kind of progressed, you know, somebody came and, you know, God bless their heart, sat down right next to us, you know, kind of pulled up their chair kind of really close to us. And there was a lot of people around the pool that we were actually at. And so they were just kind of fitting in. And I'm like, all right, great, you know, whatever, you know, I'm on vacation. It's all good. And, and the person that sat down next to me, they, they, they like to talk, you know. And I don't know, like, if, if you're on vacation, I, I like to talk. When I'm on vacation, I like to just, like, not talk and, like, just be quiet and silent before the Lord and the sun. And, uh, and so I'm just kind of like, oh, here's somebody who wants to talk. Praise God. All right, great. And they're just talking away. And, and eventually they asked me what I did for a living. Now, normally I love that question because it gets me an opportunity to share the gospel. But I'm on vacation right now. And I'm like, should I lie? Like, I don't know. Like, I'm like, no, I'm not going to lie. You know, I'm a, I'm a pastor. And began to tell them about, you know, who we are. We started a church and all this stuff. And, and it's amazing that this lady could have sat next to anybody at that pool that day. But she, met, she didn't just sit next to a pastor. She, met, she sat next to a Jesus follower. And so it's not about being a pastor. It's about being a Jesus follower. And, and she sat next to me, and she began to just tell me, like, all of the difficulties that she was walking through in that moment. She told me about how her husband left her and, and how that her kids are just angry at their dad and they don't want to talk to him. And they, you know, they've totally written him off of their life. And now that they're just, they're like their whole family's just at, at, at very tense and angry. And, and that she just, she believes in God, but she just feels like that she's doing this all on her own. And, and my wife and I took some time just to minister to her, love on her, just kind of pray for her and, and encourage her with some things, help her find a great life-giving church. And, and, and we're like, man, you know, you know I, I realized, you know, I'm on vacation, but everything is God's. Even my vacations are God. 
Like, like, it, it, like everything I have is God. I'm a manager of what God has blessed me with. If he has blessed me with the ability to go on a vacation, then guess what? Like, I'm still managing that vacation on his behalf. And if he wants to use my life, if he wants to use you while you're on vacation or you're anywhere, like, everything is his already. And I just leverage it to say, okay, God, this, I'm a manager. I'm not owner that this is yours. And I give it all to you. I give everything to you. And to live our lives that way is so important to say, hey, everything God has given me, everything I have is the Lord's. And Psalms 24 tells us this. It says this. It says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, everything is God's. Everything you have is God's. So the secret to this one, what I always say is you ask God the question. And I said it earlier, but God, you've you blessed me with some things. You've, you've given me some resources. You've given me some opportunities. God, and here's the question you ask God. God, what would you have me do? God, you, you've blessed me with some things. What am I supposed to do with the blessing? Is the blessing just for me or is the blessing to be a blessing to other people? God, what have you given me and what do you want me to do with what you've given me? Now, the funny thing is, is I hear people all the time will say, well, you know, pastor or whatever, you know, well, the church just wants your money. That's all they want. You know, they, they just want to separate you from the hard work money that you got. And uh, you know what? They, that's all they want to do. They just want your money. They want to they, you work for that money. That's your money. They just want to separate you from it. And I found a verse for those people. Deuteronomy chapter 8 says this. It says, but remember, remember, the Lord your God is, it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Come on, somebody. It's God who puts breath in your lungs. It's God who gives you that business idea. It's God who puts you in that business meeting. It's God who sets things up for you. It's God who gives you the insight. You're not doing anything on your own, but it's God blessing your life in such a way that you realize, wow, I'm blessed. I don't deserve to be here. I'm not smart enough. Man, but God has set me up in a position, and now, God, I got, I got to realize I'm a manager. I'm not an owner. How can I take everything that you've given me, everything that you've blessed me with, and say, realize it's not me doing it. It's not me, God, but it's you blessing me. And how can I return what you've given me? How can I be the best manager possible? And then number three, if you're taking notes, how do I become rich towards God? I got to view everything through the lens of eternity. If you want to be rich towards God, view everything through the lens of eternity few years back, you know, I realized that I needed glasses, you know, and, and, but before then, like, I was stubborn. I don't know how many stubborn people we got in here today, but I was stubborn. I'm like, I don't need glasses. I can see just fine. This is great. Just drive at nighttime, you know, and I'm starting to squint a little bit. I'm like, I'm good. I got this, you know, and then when it rained at night, forget about it. I'm like, Jesus, take the wheel. Like, I don't know where I'm going, and, and I'm like, all right, maybe I, I need some glasses, okay, and I remember it was in my office as a youth pastor and one of my students, I said, give me your glasses. What's your prescription? They're like, they said numbers. I don't know what that meant. And I was like, I'm going to put them on and maybe this, maybe this will just help me. And there's, I know there's so many different prescriptions. But I happened to grab this person's glasses that must have been the exact prescription that I needed. Because I put these suckers on and all of a sudden, man, I could read fine print from two miles away. I was like, I was like are you kidding me right now? I was like, oh my goodness. I'm like, like, I'm reading stuff on my bookshelf that I couldn't read unless I got up close. And I'm like, are you serious right now? I'm like, I've been missing 
all of this stuff. I'm like, I can't believe it. Like, I've been living my life blind and I didn't even realize it, you know. And, and I started thinking about that. Man, we can live our lives blind spiritually so often. We can go through life, you know, things are great, going to work, going to school, doing whatever. But we're not viewing life through the eyes of eternity and we're missing opportunities that God places before us to make a difference in someone else's life. When you look through the eyes of eternity, the lenses of eternity, then like when you go out to lunch after church today or whatever, and you got a waiter or a waitress, you know, and they're serving you, they're not there to serve you. They're actually there encountering a family or, or a person or two people that are, that are Jesus followers. And you see that person not as a server, but as somebody that God loves, somebody that God sent his one and only son to die for. And God, you know, how, what can I do? What can I do in this moment to, to let that person know there's a God in heaven who loves them? You know, I, I sit next to this person at work and, you know, they're, they're, they annoy me to death, God. I can't, Lord, transfer them in Jesus' name. But it's like, oh my goodness, when I see things through the lens of eternity, it's like maybe, God, you've placed me next to this person for a purpose. And maybe they begin to share their, their difficulties and their grief with me. And I'm like, why are they always sharing with me? Well, I'm not a pastor, but you're a Jesus follower and you have the hope of Christ inside of you. And you can give them hope in the midst of any situation. Like when you begin to see things through the lens of eternity, you see, wow, there's people that God loves. There's people that God died for. There's people that he sent his one and only son for. And God, how can I use what you've blessed me with? How can I use what you've given me? How can I leverage my resources, my time, my energy, the breath in my my lungs, God, to, to leverage things for eternity? How can I, how can I do some things now, God, to, to store up that foundation in heaven, that treasure in heaven, God? God, use me in this moment to make an impact in the future. God, I realize it. I love what the Bible says in the New Testament about an Old Testament character by the name of Moses. Hebrews chapter 11 says this about Moses. If you know anything about Moses, uh, he, he, he was an amazing guy that God used to lead the people of God, the Israelites, out of captivity in Egypt. But Moses kind of grew up in the palace. He was adopted and he lived a life of luxury. He had everything you could imagine. He had all the food, all the clothes, all the jewelry. I mean, he had everything. And in Hebrews chapter 11, it says this about Moses. It says, Moses chose to be mistreated. So he could have stayed in Egypt. He could have hung out in not made that choice, but he made a choice. He said, I'm going to choose to be mistreated along with God's, with the people of God, rather than to enjoy the, the fleeting pleasures of sin. So in other words, he said, I'm going to, I'm going to choose to live life differently. And, and instead of enjoying this, this brief moment of pleasure, I'm going to live my life differently. And I might be mistreated because of it, but I'm going to, I'm going to let my life be used by God. And he says this in verse 26, it says, he, reg he, he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as a greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. He said, listen, I, I realize that I could have it really, really comfortable right now here on earth. And I could live in the palace, I could have everything. I could have people peeling me grapes, come on somebody, like I could live life but I'm not gonna live my life for this life. He says, actually, I'm gonna do what God's calling me to do. I'm gonna leverage my influence. I'm gonna leverage this opportunity. 
and I'm going to help rescue a, a, a nation of people out of slavery because I understand that my reward is not, is not here on earth. My reward is in heaven. And so I'm going to leverage everything I have, everything I've got, because I know there's a coming age. There's heaven is waiting for me, and that's the life that's truly life. So how do I become rich towards God? Number four, last one, last one. Number four, and I think it's so true, be intentional. Live life intentional. We can be so random in life. You know, we going to work, doing whatever, that's kind of intentional, but then we live life just kind of randomly sometimes. Whatever happens, we go with the flow, yeah, it's great. But if you want to be rich towards God, you start to say, okay, how can I be intentional? God, what, what have you given me? What's my time? What can I do? How can I be intentional towards making a difference in your kingdom? That's why this legacy offering, I'm not asking you to give a certain amount. I'm inviting you to participate in this opportunity. And like I said, I'm giving you an opportunity way ahead of time because of what the Bible says. And I love, what, I love how 2 Corinthians says it in the message paraphrase. It says this. He goes, I, I want each of you to take plenty of time to think it over and make up your mind on what you will give. That will protect you against sob stories and arm twisting. I love the Bible. That's just so good. God loves it when the giver delights in the giving. And that's my hope for you, is that you would delight in the giving. That you would say, oh my goodness, God, you've blessed me to be a blessing. God, I can leverage what I have to make a difference in eternity. I'm going to be intentional with how I live my life because I realize that the Bible even says that we're here, like our life is like a vapor. Here one day, gone the next. Like, I realize my time is short. My time is limited. So God, how can you, how can I live my life in such a way that I'm making a difference? I'm leaving a legacy. Whether it's the, the people in my work, whether it's the people in my family, people I haven't even met yet. They're going to go to City Light Church one day and their whole family is going to be changed for the gospel. Man, what, how can I leverage what I've got? Because I don't know if you've noticed about me, but I, I love what God's doing here. I love it. I, I love what God's doing in our church. I love what God's doing. I love seeing your faces week after week. I love seeing God working in your life. And, and I kind of have the attitude. I'm like, okay, God, what more do you want to do? Like, what else is there, God? What, you know, how many more, you know, wells can we dig down in South America? Like, can we reach every village? Like, God, like, you want to do five more wells? You want to do 50,000 more wells? Like, I don't know, but I'm game, God. What do you want to do? Like, like, God, you can do even more than I could imagine. How many more people do you want to rescue out of human trafficking? God, I don't know, but we're going to be a part of it. Help us, God, to have the resources that we can send to the people that are going into those areas and rescuing these girls and these women out of these horrific situations. God, we, we, how many more can we get? God, how many more life-giving churches can we build all over the, the United States and all over this world? God, how many more? How many more are going to reach their city and their community and their village for the gospel? God, how, how many more can we do? How many more foster kids can we help and, and provide them a hope and a future through Christ? Like, God, I'm in. Like, like where's that building going to be at, God, one day? I just can't wait to see it. I know it's going to be a miracle. I know that you're going to do something that blows all of our minds away. God, it's going to be just an amazing miracle but God it's it's oh I can't wait to see it and I love I want to be it delights me and I hope it delights you too to see the miracles of God happening and making a difference in people's lives all over this world because listen God has called us to make 
a difference, to make an absolute difference. And as I close this message today, I want to say something and hope it doesn't come off weird. And if you've been coming to church for a while, you know my heart. And, and I just want to say it like this. And I think one day, maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but I think one day you're going to thank God for, for this message, that you heard this message. Because when you get to heaven and you see everything that God has prepared for you, and you see that, wow, I live my life not for myself, but I live my life in a way that I can store up treasures in heaven, and I receive the reward that Jesus talks about that I can receive. Wow, I'm so glad that somebody told me to not live my life for myself, but to live my life in a way that I could lay up a firm foundation in that coming age. Because here's the deal. You will miss all the money that you spend. You will miss all the money that you waste. You will miss all the money that you poorly invested. But the last thing, if you're taking notes, you write this down. You will never miss what you invest in eternity. You will never miss it. You will never, ever, ever miss it. If we could stand up today as we close this message.